Rescue the Fosters is about changing the foster system. We want to ensure every child has a safe environment to grow and become healthy, successful adults. Additionally, when I was in the foster care system, I had to defend for myself. Rescue the Foster is here to empower the youth aging out of the system and offer resources to ensure they are not dependent on the government. What we observed was that children become institutionalized and end up in prison and providing the government with more funds. Rescue the Foster will provide coaching, resume writing, interview skills, professional attire for interviews, budgeting, applying for college, and obtaining housing. We want these youth to live the most free successful life possible. It is their right and our responsibility to ensure that our future kids and grandchildren can live happy lives. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Good afternoon and welcome to Rescue the Fosters. I am Gino and as usual, my two co-hosts and co-founders of Rescue the Fosters, Miss Danielle Holm and Mrs. Miss Sylvia Beachy. Sorry. Sorry, Sylvia. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing over there? Freudian slip or something. <laughs> How are you, ladies? Good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, another great guest. We actually returning guest. In fact, our guest today... Gosh, I, I think she may have been either our first or second guest ever mm -hmm. on Rescue to Foster. So we are very pleased to have her back. She's doing great things right now in the community and giving back. And we're just really proud of her and glad to have her back. So I'm going to go ahead and read her bio and then we will formally have her on. Rachel Bruno is an author, speaker, family advocate, and CPS survivor. Rachel had her seven-week-old baby and toddler son taken from her by CPS. The crime, a cranial injury sustained by her newborn while under the care of a nanny. Rachel has also authored the book Fractured Hope, A Mother's Fight for Justice, available on Amazon. Rachel Bruno, a welcome to Rescue the Fosters. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me back on. It's been a while. <laughs> it, it has been a minute, as they say, and we are very glad to have you back. You had reached out to me in a DM over there on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it these days. <laughs> and we're very pleased to have you back, Rachel. You're such a, I, I've always thought you have such a great demeanor about you and poise and just what you had to endure mm -hmm. is incredible. Um, and it's in just overcoming and being a survivor of this horrible, horrible system that they have placed upon us. But uh, if you can kind of refresh the audience and just go back in time a little bit and just tell your story briefly, we'll get into the uh, holiday stuff here in a minute. Yeah, so my case happened back in 2015 in California. I took in my seven-week-old son to the emergency room after he would not stop crying, would not eat, would not sleep, and he had been under the care of his nanny overnight. You know, I have seizures, I have epilepsy, and one of the main triggers to my episodes are sleep deprivation and interrupted sleep. So it was upon my doctor's recommendation that I get somebody to take care of the baby at night so that I could sleep. And I just woke up to him screaming at about four o'clock in the morning. The nanny showed me an empty bottle and said, I just fed him, he's really gassy. Said, okay, fair enough, babies get gassy. And those six hours later, when I ended up in the emergency room is when I got the diagnosis that he had a cranial fracture and an intracerebral blood hemorrhage. 
From that point on, he went to immediate surgery, emergency surgery. I was in shock. I had no idea what the heck was going on. Surgery went well. Doctors told me, you know, due to his young age, didn't know whether he was going to survive the next 48 hours. He was having about 15 seizures an hour following the surgery. He received three bags of blood due to all the blood that he lost. So, you know, I was in this zone. I'm like, you know, my son is going to die. Is my son going to live or die? Next thing I know, the police are there at the hospital. The detectives are there. Social services are there. And the first words out of the police officer's mouth is what happened to your son was worse than getting struck in the head by a bullet. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and he says, we want to help you. We want to figure out how this happened to your son. So in my mind, he's asking me for help. You don't think it was me, right? Obviously, it was the nanny. But little did I know, I was prime suspect number one. And within 12 hours, both my sons, my seven-week-old baby at the hospital and my 20-month-old son who was asleep at my mom's house became wards of the state. I was evicted from my home. I was court-ordered to take child abuse classes, parenting classes, individual counseling. I had a criminal case open where I was facing 15 years in jail or $100,000 bail if they decided to charge me. And this went on for 40 days and 40 nights to when I had a hearing that day on the 40th day. And by the grace of God, I, to this day, I don't know what the heck my lawyer said. I wasn't even present in the courtroom. I don't know what those people said. I don't know what was done. I just signed the papers. <laughs> and my attorney told me, if you're willing to sign this document the way it's written, there's nothing in here admitting guilt. There's nothing in here saying that you did this. It's just the social worker's narrative, the police report, the services you've done, the medical records, they will let you go home today. And he said, I've been doing this for 23 years and I have never seen them let anybody go home before trial. You definitely have a higher power working for you. And I said, amen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Yeah, we don't hear that very often. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard that other than your, your testimony. That's amazing how God just moved on your behalf and did, did a miracle in that moment. Um, I'm sure there's, is there like that, um, what do they call it, survivor's guilt? Do you ever have that where other people, you know, obviously haven't been as fortunate and maybe God didn't answer their prayers that way? I mean, do you ever feel that? I'm just curious. Absolutely. You know, yeah. every time somebody asks me, what did you do? And I'm like, nothing. Like, I really can't answer that. I really did nothing. Right. And I am no better parent than you are. I am in no better position than you are. It was the grace of God. And I think, you know, I was chosen for some reason. <laughs> God chose me to go through this, but also to be a voice for those who don't have a voice. And that's but gives me the fire up my butt to do what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to just point out that they immediately went to you without any investigation into this. Is that, that's correct, right? They just, yeah. did they do, did they ever do an investigation and figure after, out what happened? After they had seized my children, then they went to go talk to the nanny. And she basically told the social worker that the baby was perfectly fine when she left the house. And that was the extent of the investigation. <laughs> right. So they just took her word and they didn't actually like go in and do a, a legit investigation and, and nothing ever happened. It was just put right on to you. Right. Typical. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. 
So, Rachel, I mean, obviously an act of God. There's one particular moment I remember from the first show we did that I was at absolutely dumbfounded and shocked. And I actually made a TikTok video of it because I was, I was so appalled by what I heard because I was relatively new to this movement, didn't really know much about it. And you had mentioned that they didn't care about the Constitution. And I almost fell out of my seat. I said, what? Are you kidding me? Like, is this now I I understand it much, much better. But at the time, that was a shot to me. Can you explain what happened in that courtroom? I think it was a judge that said that if I'm. uh, No, it was actually my attorney. Attorney. And it was a total shock to me, too. Right. Because after they seized my children, they seized my 20 month old son at two o'clock in the morning at my mom's house. They showed up with three police officers and they told my mom we're taking him. And my mom is like, no, you're not. And the social worker tells her, well, if you don't give him to us, you're going to be arrested. And there's three police officers standing right there. Nobody says anything. And my mom says, if I go to jail, do I take him with me? And she's like, no, he's going to go to foster care and you're not going to be able to care for him because you're going to have a criminal record. So my mom didn't know what to do at that point. She gave my son to the social worker. They drive off in the middle of the night, not telling us where they're going, why, where they're taking him. We have no idea. So I wake up that morning and my husband is just staring at me and I'm thinking something happened to my baby. And he says, they took David. I said, what do you mean they took David? Where? How? What? She lied to me. The social worker said they were going to look at him and see if he was okay. He's like, well, that's not what happened. So he's calling a bunch of uh, social workers. They won't answer their phones. The supervisor won't answer their phones. We have no idea where my son is. I start calling a bunch of lawyers, had to get about 10 different lawyers until I found one that would actually take the case and would talk to me. And that's when I went to his office and I said, okay, where is my son and where do I go get him? And he told me, sit down. Like, you have no idea what you're in for. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't do this. He's like, I believe you. Doesn't matter. I'm like, what do you mean doesn't matter? What happened to our constitution? What happened to innocent until proven guilty? What about the nanny? And he says, this is family court. They don't follow constitutional law. And I'm, what other law is there? (laughs) And he said, they can do whatever they deem is in the best interest of the child. And that's when he told me what happened to your son is criminal. You are facing 15 years in jail and a $100,000 bail if they decide to charge you. You're not getting your kids back. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't do this. And he says, I believe you. But if I go into that courtroom and I ask the judge to give the children back to you, they're going to pull this up. And he shows me the criminal investigation. And they're going to say, Your Honor, this woman is under criminal investigation. You're placing the children at risk by giving them back to her. And if he listens to that, they are going to go into foster care. They are under two years old, nonverbal. They can be legally adopted by the foster family if the case lasts longer than six months. And they will make it last longer than six months. Hmm. So that to me was like, what? country am I living in? Like, what is this? You know, like you, Gino, I had no idea this system existed. I had no idea this could happen. I mean, it was crazy. (laughs) That's what people don't understand that family court is actually not a legitimate lawful court. It's they go by administrative law, but they're intercepting in families via administration. So um, I had a judge tell me the constitution does not apply in his courtroom 
And he's actually not actually um, lying because it, it kind of doesn't. But the problem is that family shouldn't be in that court yeah. and children shouldn't be kidnapped through administrative courts. It's completely crazy. Backwards. I, I think the thing that's even more shocking is like they used the child kind of as collateral. Like they're, they're kind of saying, well, okay, in the best interest of the child, we're going to circumvent or usurp the constitution, which yeah. of course, if, mm -hmm. if you're someone on the outside, you're like, well, of course we have to protect the children. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the guys that's, that's they're masquerading it through the best interest of the child. When in actuality, the child has no rights. The parents have no rights. It's all about what the court decides and what they're going to do, what kind of pain they're going to inflict upon a family. Yeah, and absolutely. and that's what we're trying to get people to wake up to that that is that is inherently evil. I don't I don't know anything more evil than tearing families apart for no reason. I get it. If there's actual abuse and a child's life is in danger, of course something needs to be done. No one's arguing that. But that's not what mm -hmm. we're seeing. That's not what we're seeing at all. Yeah, mm -hmm. like the government's own statistics prove it, right? Like 87% of the cases are unfounded or due to neglect which is a really, really broad umbrella, which can mean anything, right? Your kid has holes in his shoes. Your house is unkempt. You have dishes up to here in the sink, right? You're a mm -hmm. single mother working three jobs that may not be able to provide childcare. I mean, there are so many different issues, none of which would be what we think of as abuse, you know, sexual abuse or physical abuse is what people, where their minds usually go to when we say a child was abused. And those are not the cases that we're seeing. Rachel, right. I always go back to statistics too. And the fact that children in foster care are six times more likely to die than in, in any situation with a biological family says everything that we need to know. Yeah. So even with the children that are abused, that is a much less problem than the problem we're seeing in foster care. Yeah. Yeah. And then I yeah. also want to point out that when they say in the best interest, they're not talking about like interest as in caring for the child. They're actually talking about money. And this is where people don't understand. So it is money that the reason that these children are taken and that they're taken into care. And so they're not talking about the care of the child. They're talking about the money of the child. So that's why they say the best interest because they need that money and that's how they receive the funding. Yeah. I mean, my mom was asked to adopt my kids before I even had a hearing. Right. So wow. if we ever showed up in that courtroom, the social worker came to my mom's house to do what he called the safety assessment of the house. Mm -hmm. The house was yeah. appropriate for the kids. And they asked, she asked my mom, will you adopt your grandchildren? And my mom's like, no, yeah, give them back to their mom to who they belong. <laughs> and the social right. worker says, well, we don't know what the judge is going to order. So if the judge does order the removal of the children, will you adopt them? And my mom says, what happens if I don't? Like, they're going to go to foster care. So my mom signs the adoption papers right there. And she gets handed two checks for $680 each. And she's told you will receive $680 a month per child. They qualify for Medicaid. They will qualify for WIC. They will qualify mm -hmm. for food stamps. And my mom is like, I don't want your money. And the social worker says, well, this is how we help the families. That's not helping. Right. And mean, and say I was a struggling single mother, right? Why not give that money to me? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
to keep my family together instead of offering it to a complete stranger. I mean, in my case, it was my mom, but most of the time they're complete strangers. You have no idea where your kid is going. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't a Christian, there's a word I would use right now yes. <laughs> that, that, that for the system. Uh, but I can tell you this, it's backwards. There's another word yeah. that's usually attached to the front of that. And I can tell you it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous that just Rachel, you laid it out beautifully. If a struggling mom who's working two or three jobs and trying to take care of two kids and, and she's doing schoolwork and all the things with her child and she's running short on money, why in the world, if it's in the best interest of the child or children in, in this case, would they not just say, hey, gosh, we could really help you out with your electric bill and, you know, and maybe some food stamps and things like that until you get yourself on your feet again, even Medicaid if needed for help. Instead, no, no, no. They don't offer any of that to that person. They just take their kids. Yeah. And why is that, ladies? Why do they do that? What's the reason? Title four E. Yeah, she said. State only gets the money if they take the children away. That's the only way they get the money. And the governments, I mean, the states have created these massive bureaucracies, right, within the child welfare system, and they need that funding to stay afloat. It funds their jobs. They justifies their existence is what it is. Yep. It's sick. Sure. It's so sick. And I don't know, Rachel, I'm sure you've thought about this many times, but uh, I know myself and the girls, we've talked about let, what has to happen going forth. Now, obviously, I think as this thing is dismantled uh, and hopefully quickly, not piece by piece, I think the whole thing just needs to come down and let's start over. But there has to be something in place, obviously, for children that are being abused. Have it's you thought about warrants. that? <laughs> like actual valid warrants. That would, right. that would help. Yeah. But, like, what about right. for the, but what about for the children, though? Let's say that there is no next of kin, there's nowhere to go, um, no, no you know, family members can take the child. Like, where does that child go? Like we need something in place temporarily until like, personally, I think the churches should step up to the plate, you know, faith-based yeah. organizations. I think right. they would do the best job for those situations. But I know a lot of people don't, would disagree with that because there, let's face it, there's corruption everywhere. There's corruption in the church. There's corruption in our government. It doesn't matter what the systems, we live in an evil world, a fallen world. And of course, those structures are going to be infiltrated. So we do need something though. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I mean, I don't know if the answer Well, I like, like what, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, child abuse is criminal already, right? That's mm -hmm. in the criminal code. So if you are found to actually be abusing your child, then you will get your day in court, right? You go to federal court where there will be a trial, there will be the, the witnesses, there will be evidence presented. I mean, it's criminal. Mm -hmm. And after everything is shown and you have actually proven your case, you know, then yes, you should have your parental rights terminated. You should go to jail. You should whatever, if it is proven that you were actually abusing this child. And in the meantime, you know, if you said the child doesn't have any family, there is no next of kin, there is nobody to take the family or the child. I mean, unfortunately, I think that is what foster care was for, right? Intentionally exactly. in the beginning, that's what, what it was for. But I always go back to me, you know, my dad died when I was nine months old. My mom became a widow and a single mother when she was 28. And my father was a doctor. He was the breadwinner. My mom had nothing but a high school education. And we came, we were from Brazil. You know, we came to this country. The church here offered to sponsor my mom for her to go to Bible school. 
but we were always a packaged deal, right? Anywhere we went and we lived with people's homes, they offered their homes to us. It was always me and my mom. And I could think of so many cases where, you know, CPS could have been called. I would run away from home. I would have issues with my mom. I would ditch school. You know, I had a lot of problems growing up as a teenager, <laughs> as a rebellious teenager. And people could say, you know, she could have a much better life in another home, right? Where they could afford to provide these things for her, where she would have a nuclear family, where she would do this or she would do that instead of living in poverty with a single mother. But that would have absolutely destroyed me, right? She's my only blood relative, the only person I've ever known in my life. I am an only child. I mean, she's all I ever knew. And people need to realize you can't replace the love of a parent. You can't replace the bond of a parent with a bed and a roof. That's not what a family is, right? So I would, like you said, I wish churches and organizations would open up their homes for both, for the child and the parent. You know, the parent is struggling as well. It's not just the child. Yeah, so right. true. So true. Gosh, Rachel, now forgive me if I missed or didn't hear you in the beginning because i was working on some technical things i don't know why guys why the rumble chat's not working on the screen i had it working perfectly over the last couple hours now it's not working so i apologize um but what did, what was the premise for them taking the children i know you touched on it but i mean do you think like did they have the wrong person possibly i mean we know they don't do that <laughs> they lie all the time about that um do did they come after you because you know a neighbor called on you i mean is there any reasoning no it was the hospital you know because oh, the I hospital mean, that's right okay sorry yeah what yeah. happened to my son was you know a serious thing i mean there's no denying yeah, that that's right i forgot yeah. you know and my issue like do whatever the heck you want to me right but mm -hmm. leave the kids alone you know there was no need to take my 20 month old son at two o'clock in the morning and take him to the county children's shelter when he was safe asleep at his grandma's house Right. But they woke him up. They took him to the county children's shelter based on the fact that his brother was injured. So therefore, he was at risk, even though there were absolutely no signs of abuse on him when the social worker came to my mom's house and checked him. And when they took him to the county children's shelter, they gave him 13 vaccines without our consent. Ugh. They forced him through a full skeletal survey without our consent. They gave him an anal wink test. Oh, which is the sexual abuse when there weren't even any allegations of sexual abuse. So it's like once they get your child, they have, you know, a narrative that they now have to prove. Yep. Right. So they are just digging and doing anything they can right. to find something to justify what they did. And in that process, I mean, they abused my son. That's child abuse. That's right? what abuse. They yep. Yeah. So it's completely backwards, like you said. It's very twisted. It's crazy. It's evil. <laughs> That's what I, I always say for them, the end justifies the means because they're always, they, they have what their end game is already before they even do anything. And then they're trying to figure out ways to get to their end goal. Right. Yeah. It's our expense. So yeah. that's that's how they function. So, and aside from, you know, me having taken my son to the hospital and then having to report it, blah, 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 fine. But then they wanted to say that I had postpartum depression. And that's why they said it was me that harmed my son was because I had postpartum depression. And they kept asking me that. I'm like, I don't. And they're like, well, do you have any proof? 
And I'm like, well, <laughs> my doctor is going to give me a diagnosis oh that I don't have. Oh my gosh. I, see, I turned the table on him. You show me the proof. <laughs> like, right, what you, exactly. like, yeah. Why is the burden on me? You're commit. You're, you know, saying I, I committed a crime or something like what a joke. It's so sick. They don't they need do. proof. I think the medical kidnapping aspect of this is has been pushed under the, the blankets for a while. Um, I yeah. do think it's coming to light. Danielle's story, obviously being, you know, a key yeah. part of this. Um, but it's that is something that is so sinister that you can't yeah. even believe it could possibly happen in this country where you are just having giving birth or you go your son, you know, gets hurt playing a baseball game or something and you bring him to the hospital. And next thing you know, they're carting your kid off out of the hospital with with police officers and cps like that just yeah. seems unfathomable to most people but it's happening and i don't know this maybe the ladies know this, the, the statistics on medical kidnapping in this country but it's scary and and most people don't even know they have an office right there in the hospital cps right. and yeah, they're exactly. ready to go yeah. Yeah. i'm not even sure about the statistics overall but what i do know is the year that they did that to me they had taken 129 babies out of that same hospital that year. And people don't hear about it because of gag orders and all sorts of, you know, things that they try to silence people over. But 129 babies in one year at one hospital. Yeah. And again, child abuse pediatrician. There is no such thing, you guys. There is no such specialty in medical school, right? We have radiology. We have neurology. We have oncology, you have all these different specialization. There's no abusology <laughs> in no. medical school, right? This was something that was invented in 2009. And again, wow. why do we need a child abuse pediatrician when every single doctor is already a mandated reporter? Right. Right. But they have these specialists that are employed through government grants. Again, the hospitals mm -hmm. get government funding for having these people on staff. And they get a lot of money through it. So it's always about the money. <laughs> yeah. It's a sick system. You know, billions of dollars are funding each state through this system. I don't know how, if you're a governor of a state, and especially if you call yourself a Christian, I'm sorry, like I would call out some of these governors, because some of them are Christians. You got to stop this. Yeah. Forget your stupid mm -hmm. state budget. What about the children? What about families that are being torn apart by this? You got to do something. You know, Florida... DeSantis, it's a disaster down there in Florida with what's going on with children. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, Rachel, we, we work with Megan Walsh. And I mean, it's just atrocious what is going on down there and how they're funding this stuff. And, you know, supposedly mm -hmm. he's this very conservative guy and all these things. Forget the guys of conservatism, even even uh, governors that are calling themselves Christians. Like we got to forget all the labels. Let's see actions. Let the actions speak louder than their words. That's what yeah. needs to start happening. Because I'm sick of it. And I know you guys are sick of it, you know, as well. well. I've been to oh, D.C. Yeah. I went to D.C. three times this year. And they are dumbfounded, you guys. They don't know this. Like, they really don't. I go to the legislative offices, you know, to the senators, to the congressmen. We speak to their legislative aides. I speak to some of them in person. And most of them are like, what? This happens? And money comes from where? And what? They can do that to parents, take them without going to court, take them without a warrant, take them without this. I'm like, yeah, this is happening across the country and they really don't know about it. It's crazy. Tell them to look up Nancy Schaefer. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Rachel, but when they, they acknowledge it, at least they say, oh my gosh, this is going on. Do they actually take the next step and do something? Well, we do have two sponsors right now. 
for Excellent. a bill that we are calling the Parental Advocacy Act, which basically gives parents like myself, those of us who have been through this, access to all the juvenile records. Because as of now, under federal law, all the juvenile records are sealed, right? They're private for, quote, the protection of the minor, when it's really not mm -hmm. about them, it's about protecting their own butts. Yeah. So if a parent reaches out to me as an advocate, they can sign a voucher saying that they want me to be there. They want me to be present in court with them. They want me to have access to the medical records, to the juvenile records, to the police report, to all that stuff so that I can actually get in the weeds and see what's actually going on and help them out without being a lawyer. Right. Because that's one of the biggest needs is lawyers. There is such a shortage of lawyers who actually know how to deal with the system. Right. And most of or them that want to the system, yeah, because they know it's lawless. Right. They know it's a lawless system, but I can, you know, get in the face of a social worker, of a police officer, of a doctor. A parent can't. Right. Because a parent, they'll write in the report. Parent is being uncooperative. Parent is being, you know, aggressive. Parent is crazy. Parent, blah, blah, blah. But as an advocate, I can say whatever the heck I want. I can stand up for the family where they can't. So if this act, we have the two sponsors, it's already in legal, in their legal department for the legislative language. Then once it passes that, it will go into committee and it will go into what they call, I guess, public, public something where the public can give input and see what kind of language they want put into the bill, into the draft. And then once it's out of that, it will go to the judiciary committee. So January, I'm probably going to go to DC sometime in January and go knock on these people's doors since we already do have the two legislators. Now we need to get, you know, everybody on board to vote for it to pass. But I want it to be on the agenda for 2024. Wow, that's amazing. Well, Rachel, they should, yeah, that is amazing, but they should be already a long advocate. Um, uh, as Megan's Walsh's advocate, um, I was able to, to get on her case. Um, but like this should, this shouldn't even require a bill. Like, why are we even requiring a bill for this? Right. That's well, the, that's I mean, the crazy part. Out. I've gotten kicked out of courtrooms. They're like, you're not part of the yes. case, so you can't be here. Oh, yeah. They, they kick me out all the time, but they only kick me out when they uh, don't want me to see what's going on. Yeah, so absolutely. is that going to stop them from kicking us out? That's what well, I, it will be I a hope federal it does. Law. It will be a federal law if it gets passed. Oh, good. So, I mean, this isn't, but just it's crazy life. that you have to take this step to even get in there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But the, and the advocate is essentially the eyes and ears for the public also, not just for the right. parents, because that's mm -hmm. the only oversight in these courts. <laughs> that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're kicking the advocates out of there. They don't want the oversight. They're trying to hide all this stuff. It's obvious. Mm -hmm. And Rachel, it is, I think it's amazing what, what you've done. Can you kind of lay out the nomenclature of that? Like, how did this all come about? What order was it done? Just in case there's other folks that might be interested yeah. in doing something similar. Yeah, I mean, this was actually drafted up by Connie regularly. You know, she's an attorney here in Tennessee. Yep, we've and... uh, met Connie, actually. Yep. Yeah, so I haven't, I haven't met Connie. Oh, you haven't I would met like her? to. I would like to, though. Yeah, I mean, she's been a CPS attorney I mean, for the parents, right? She's been defending parents for decades. And I mean, they've gone after her hard here in the state, right? I mean, she's been jailed for trying to protect one of her clients, but she won't stop fighting. <laughs> so she's the one, you know, as an attorney, 
she's the one who sees, you know, where the needs are. And she thinks there is a need for this type of advocacy because as a lawyer, she can't be handholding every single client, right? Mm -hmm. There's no time for that. The attorneys are more of the administrative side, right? And the strategy side, they're filling out forms, they're filling out paperwork, they have a gazillion cases to deal with. But as a parent who has never been in this, like you have no idea what the heck is going on, right? Mm -hmm. And it would be so helpful, so, so, so helpful, encouraging, supportive to have another person with you that can explain to you, that can sit down with you and tell you, okay, you know, this is what's going on. This is the administrative side. This is the legal side. And to tell you, no, you are not crazy. Okay, this happens a lot, but we are here for you. And somebody that can sit down with you and actually dissect the file, you know, and then pinpoint it to you so that you can then pinpoint it to your lawyer and be more efficient with your lawyer's time and with your time. Yeah, that's excellent. It is a shame that you have to go through these just hurdles, jump over hurdles to get to this mm -hmm. point when just like Sylvia said, there's already rules on the book. There's already laws. There's enough things to stop this nonsense. Really, it's just the people. It always yeah. comes down to mm -hmm. we, the people, we need to stand up just like the mama bears did with the, with, you know, the whole race, uh, uh critical race theory stuff. They went to the school board yeah. and said, no, enough. And they fired everybody on the, <laughs> on the school boards. Right. That's <laughs> what we need to do. Like it's, it's, I don't think this is like rocket science. It's just yeah. literally it's standing up to tyranny. But people have been so brainwashed, you know, into this foster care thing and thinking that they're heroes and that they're saviors and that there's so many kids out there who are being abused and you are doing God's work by supporting foster care and by taking in these children. I mean, it's so hard to get through to people. <laughs> you are so right, Rachel. You are so right. Like even just working in the system is what opened my eyes to it. And that's what I keep saying that we need to break that stigma yeah. of the social work the social worker's word is the Bible and the parent did something wrong. Like we really need to stop being so judgmental. People are so judgmental and it's easier for them to just uh, ignore it and go along with the foster system because then they don't have to do anything. But if they actually look at it and they actually see what's going on, then they have to do something and people are just lazy. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. Well, okay, let's switch gears here because uh, the the main reason we brought Rachel on today is because she's doing something amazing for her community and other parents that have been through similar things such as herself. So Rachel, can you explain what you're doing for the holidays? Yeah, so I started my nonprofit. It's called Giver of Light. I actually got the IRS form one day before Thanksgiving. So we are official. <laughs> Yay. And, you know, it's going to be a place to support parents, to provide resources and support for the parents. Yay. I see a lot of organizations that help the children, that help the foster parents, but there is nothing there for the biological parents. You know, and me having been there, I mean, I had all the support in the world. Thank God. You know, my husband never turned against me. My church never turned against me. I had my family. I had so many people surround me. And I was blessed. But while I was in that child abuse class, there was about 30 of us in there. And people didn't have family. You know, their best friends would turn their back on them. Their friends who said they were there to take care of them would then turn their backs on them, lie to the social workers so that they could get the children, so that they could get the money. I mean, you know, stick money in there, then everybody seems to, to flip. And 
they didn't have any community. They didn't have any sense of being seen, right? Of being believed, of being heard. And that's what I want to provide for these parents this holiday season. I'm calling it the light box. It's going to be basically a care package where I just want to give some encouragement to them that, you know, this is a really hard season. You know, we're supposed to be celebrating. We're supposed to be with our children. We're supposed to be with our families. And a lot of them through no fault of their own are not gonna be able to see their children this Christmas. So I just want to give them encouragement and tell them that they are seen. You know, I see you, I know you and don't give up hope. You know, this Christmas season is about the birth of Jesus who is our eternal hope. And I'm not saying it's easy, there are hard times. You know, you're probably feeling a lot of anger, resentment, bitterness, and just pain, you know, and it's okay to feel that pain, but don't dwell on it. Look to the higher power, look to somebody higher than yourself. And in this box, I will contain, you know, my book, there will be a little candle that says hope, look for the light. My organization is giver of light. And that is actually the meaning of my son's name, who had the brain injury, who I took to the hospital and who started this whole thing. You know, God had a purpose for it. I wouldn't have chosen this path had I known, <laughs> but that's the path God chose. And it's the cross I carry and I do it with love. I do it with passion. I know it's my calling. Oh, I love that. You're essentially sending hugs in a box to these yes. people. You know, that's, that's, that's amazing. Wow. I really like that. Um, so what, what gave you the idea? I think, like I said, it's always been in my heart. You know, this has been what, seven years gone <laughs> since I was exposed to the system. And I actually remember having a conversation when I was in the child abuse class, when I was kicked out of my house and the thing was going on, somebody really close to me called me and they said, Rachel, I don't know why, but the word repent keeps coming to my mind. And I'm like, repent. You know, and I kind of felt like Job at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> like you telling me I deserve this, like I did something that I need to repent of, you know, that this is happening to me for something. So I'm like, okay, you know, I, I took it to God at night. It was always at night, right? When you're alone and I'm there and I remember praying and I said, okay, God, who sinned? <laughs> you know, using that parable in Matthew that my son was born blind. Was it my father? Was it my mother? What, what did I do? And I just remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me at that point and saying, nothing, my daughter. You know, this is just the broken world we live in. What you're witnessing right now is about the destruction of the family, which is what Satan has tried to do from the moment I created it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're right. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. <laughs> it's been since the beginning of time. <laughs> and I had a complete shift of perspective from that moment on. And I thought about all those parents in those child abuse classes with me. I'm like, I know God, I have Jesus, I have hope. What about these people that don't? And it became an intercession, right? It became my prayer. My perspective completely changed. Like, it's not about me. It's not about my family. This is so much bigger than me. And God needs to intervene in this because it's so much bigger than us. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's incredible. And that is what we're called to do as Christians, you know, to reach out with love and um, 
obviously if they're open to the gospel we give them the gospel if not it's just love you're just loving on them and and showing that someone actually cares they're Mm -hmm. for their humanity we're all in this together we're in this cesspool called earth for a lifetime together and we just have to you know help each other out and love more i mean that's gosh you look at what's happened to america just over the last 20 years and the division that's been created and it it isn't it's intentional The, the division's intentional um you know, there's, there's a lot of hatred out there for, you know, you're labeled something and they hate you because you have a label on you and they don't even know you. Um, and it used to be, you know, neighbors helped neighbors and and did things for each other. And that's exactly what you're doing. Love your neighbors yourself. And it's Mm -hmm. very commendable. Thank thank you so much, Rachel. I think it's very inspiring. And I think Mm -hmm. this might, maybe this will help others, you know, say, you know, maybe I can do something. Exactly. I just want to say thank you, Rachel, because as a parent that hasn't seen my child in seven years as well, it is rough. I'm sitting here trying to not get emotional publicly, but as you were speaking, people have to understand how difficult this is year after year after year, where it's almost like you're frozen in time when the holidays come or your son's, your child's birthday or whatever the case is. And everyone around you is just going about life like normal and you just feel alone. Like you have nowhere to go. And I was one of those people. I didn't have anybody. Um, So I just want to say thank you because we need more of this. And we don't have so many parents are so alone. So before I start crying. (laughs) Well, thank you. You know, thank you for affirming it because it really is something that I feel in my heart. And although I didn't go through the holidays and those things, you know, thank God I didn't, but there was, I remember one day where my children were with my husband, you know, he got sole custody while this case was open. My family had to come from Brazil to help us out because my husband was working from home. So my aunt was there. My cousin was there. My husband was there. My sister, my stepsister came to visit her dad, you know, my stepdad from London So she was there. My mom was there. My dad was there. Everybody was at my house having a huge get together, right? Having a barbecue with my children, with my cousins that I hadn't seen in three years, with my mom, with my dad, and I was home alone, right? And I kept, I mean, I remember going to the beach that day. I was in California. (laughs) I went to the beach and I just cried at that beach. And I'm like, what? Like, this is so wrong. (laughs) This is so wrong. This is so unfair, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't ever want a parent to feel like what. Yeah. And we need more, we need more organizations uh, like yours right now, especially because I tell you what, we keep on getting calls about parents that are fighting CPS and need an advocate and need help. So um, yeah, you're going to be busy. Yeah, this is just the beginning. You know, I'm ready. <laughs> Yay. It's important that, you know, somebody that's been in this fight and understands it from the inside has empathy yeah. for others. You know, I think that's how people can heal. I don't know if you ever completely heal from something that's so traumatic. You know, with God's help, obviously, all things are possible. But uh, as human beings, I mean, there are scars that are going to last. And, and people, you know, if we can love each other and show empathy with each other and compassion... And those, that's what Jesus did, right? I mean, that, that was his whole ministry mm-hmm. was showing that. I mean, he stepped into a world that was fallen. He was the only perfect human ever. And he, he walks this earth in, a, in literally a sewer every day. And he was showing love and compassion all the time. 
except of right. course against the religious leaders he, he called them <laughs> out but <laughs> but uh which we should be doing also but i'm very um very honored to have you on again rachel and, and rescue the fosters because i think you're doing such amazing work and through the pain and the struggles that we know you had to endure it's just amazing to see someone overcome and survive it um anything else you want to say rachel before we uh we leave is it how can people help you during this yes season? yeah i mean you can donate now i'm a nonprofit. <laughs> now i have to beg for money i guess yeah <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> No, that's always the fun to, part to my instagram account it's the giver of life and there is a link there that you can donate it's through a donor box so right now i mean for just the specific you know light box we have raised about eleven hundred dollars which is you know surprised me for just that's over awesome. a week yeah so this is my main website i don't think i have it on there gino it's going to be on oh i'm instagram. sorry Oh, Instagram? Okay, I've got that yeah. too. Okay. At the yep. giver of light. Yep, that's Rachel Bruno Speaks. It's another account. Oh man. Okay. Oh, so it's oh, so it's I'm sorry. So it's actually it's actually an Instagram called the giver of light. It's not your yes. okay, yes. I'm sorry. All right. Yes, Go ahead and continue to speak. I will find that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. But thank you for showing me. And if you contact yep. me through any yep. of those other means, I will direct you towards <laughs> where you can make a donation for these boxes and you know it's been successful and like hearing the feedback from you guys who knows i might do a valentine's day box i might do uh, easter box i might do any other kinds of boxes for these families for these parents well i can tell you again it it's i went through many years of feeling re-victimized on holidays and birthdays because everybody the other people don't know how to react. So yeah. it was this past year, mm -hmm. this birthday, it was the first time ever that his birthday was acknowledged by others because of Sylvia. She mm -hmm. actually ordered a cake through um, our mutual friends and they got a yeah, cake so and we nice. had a little birthday party. That's never happened. And yeah. so each year when parents go through this, it, if you don't talk about it, it yeah. it's worse. Right. And so we have to celebrate these children and celebrate the families, even if they're not together, because it's a re-victimization and, and mm -hmm. it just makes it so much worse. And so yeah. the fact that you're doing this for this holiday, it, like you said, it could potentially go into other holidays and then maybe the children's birthdays and yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you're giving me ideas. Yeah, I'm gonna have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's like so, grief. Yeah, so I'm, hor ahead. I'm horrible trying to find things. <laughs> I really need a moderator that can handle this stuff. I'm terrible at looking. <laughs> I cannot find it on Instagram. I don't know what I'm doing here. So. I don't, I hardly ever use Instagram. I mean, rarely, rarely do I ever use it. So I'm probably doing something wrong. It's definitely user error. So one more time, let me just try to find it. I apologize. I don't know, do I don't want to click anything and then lose the screen either. I was going to say, if you can yeah. share it in the Zoom chat, then I can just pull it up from there. That yeah. would probably be the, the easiest. How do I... I should have got this information ahead of time. That would have been the professional way of handling this. Anyway, in the meantime, you can go over to Rachel's Facebook page. Yeah. And I actually, I have all these links uh, that I had pulled up. These are on uh, the description box under the Rumble and the Foxhole uh, show so you can go mm -hmm. Rachel uh, Bruno's 
Facebook page. Again, this is her uh, website, rachelbruno.com. And Rachel, I'm, you can buy the book here, uh, up here in the tab. Right. You can buy it is on there any website. way to, any other way to donate? Any other way to donate from the website for, for anything in your ministry? Not on my website, no. Okay. And then also on Twitter or X, Rachel Bruno, that is, um, yeah. where's your, yeah, I, again, I got all this. It's at Rachel Bruno, but I've got all these in the description. So guys, it'll be real simple to go there. And I will add the other ones also, Rachel, just so they can donate mm -hmm. if they want to help the cause. Awesome. Um, so one more time, the Instagram where they can go to donate. It is called Giver of Light Official. Here I go. I Official. found it. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, can... <laughs> I'm horrible at this. Like, honestly, I wish I could just pay a moderator to just like handle this part of it. Oh, not there you go. Not tech savvy when it comes to this stuff. And this isn't complicated. It's just here. We yeah. Go. No, okay. there's so many stuff, so much stuff to manage. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I had everything set up with the chat. I was like, oh, good. Our first show where we'll put the chats on here. Nope. That didn't work either. So. <laughs> Now, Gino, you have to follow it. The yes, top I right. do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know how to do that. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Oh, I love yes, that. Thank you. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on again. We appreciate you. You're always yes, welcome back you. at Rescue the Fosters. We just appreciate you so much and all you do. And um, guys, if you want to follow her, you know the places to go. Um, Rachel, don't be a stranger because it's been, gosh, over know, been at least like a, a year or more than a year for sure. Because right. I think we've been doing this almost a year and a half now. So, yeah. yeah. So please come back anytime. And we would love to get an update on how it went over the holidays and, and where I it's will. going. Awesome. Yes. Absolutely. So, Thank you guys for having me. Thank you on. so much, Rachel. Have a, have a great day. We're going to let yeah. you end the meeting and then we're going to stick around just for a couple more minutes to close out the show. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Love Rachel. I love such her. A, such a great person. We need more yes. Rachels in the world. We really do. And you I know what though? I think problems. we I think we are getting more Rachels. Uh, we're <laughs> about to see all of these organizations popping up that we're gonna be working with. And uh, they're going to be across the U.S. So we got Megan Walsh, we got Rachel, we got Rescue the Fosters. I have a few up my sleeve that will be coming out in just a few more months. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna flood it. Sylvia, yeah. I hate to break the news to you, you don't have sleeves on today. So there's <laughs> nothing up your sleeve. <laughs> I can actually see your arms. I got it hidden somewhere. Okay, all right. <laughs> now, I know there is great people. There's still good people out there. There's lots of good people. There's lots of good churches. I know I rip on the church a lot, but there are a lot of people doing doing the Lord's work, as we say, and uh, loving on each other and helping. And that's so important going forward because that love is what drives people. That's what keeps people going. If there's no love, if there's no support system, I mean, mm -hmm. children, parents, doesn't matter how old you are. If there's no support, it's a dark world. I mean, yep. no one's yep. running up to your door, handing you a check saying, hey, here's, you know, 10,000. I hope this helps you out. Like, you, and unfortunately, we could have that happen if the government was willing to, instead of supplying money for these programs that do nothing except break families up, they could help a lot of people that way and maybe get someone back on their feet again. I'm not talking about entitling them. 
I'm talking about like helping them out in a situation for, you know, maybe a set amount of time or something, but what they're doing now is not working. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Well, no, it's meant to be that way, Gino. It was meant to make Danielle go into the suicidal state, right? They don't Mm -hmm. want any help. They don't want you to find help. But that's why I'm so thankful for organizations like Rachel. And I think that what you're going to see is that a lot of these parents that have fought and won, they're going to start popping up all over the place. So uh, they've really hurt themselves in this way. Agreed. All right. Well, another one in the books, a Saturday edition. We've done a couple Saturdays, uh, but only a few. So what do we have coming up? Do you know who our next guest is? Or do we have a Tuesday show, by the way? I can't remember. I think we do. I don't think we no. have a Tuesday show, okay. do we? I don't think so. Um, let, me, let me look I'm trying quick. to remember. I know. This is the I hardest know we, part. I know we have Marissa coming up, but I think she's on a Thursday. I think hers is the 14th. Yeah, we don't have Tuesday. Thursday okay. is Marissa from the Me Too family movement. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how they stole the Me Too tag and (laughs) used it for the families. (laughs) So good. I can't wait to talk to her. That's going to be amazing. All right, well, ladies, have a great Saturday. Uh, Thank you so much here on the Foxhole. Thank you on Rumble. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for the donations, the uh, stacks. Thanks for the shades. Paul Thaddeus, thanks for the cookie. We appreciate that. Have a great day. Have a blessed weekend. I will see you tonight, me and Megan Walsh, doing... Uh, re-examined that's at 11 p.m eastern standard time we will be going over some more evidence in the adam walsh disappearance from 1981 i believe we're going to go over some uh some of the actual physical evidence tonight so we'll, we'll check that out and then also the blender returns tomorrow with our favorite mr joe jordan from mufon oh, and ce4 research so we will be talking all things <laughs> alien and demons as we like nice. to call them <laughs> oh, disguised as little green men and grays but we will be discussing that. That's 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with my good friend Michael CPN from down there in Texas. So please join us for those. Have a great day. God bless and take care, everybody.